Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Kei te whakaronga mai kwe ki tō tātou au horihori ki te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. You're with Our Changing World on RNZ National. And now, for the last few years on Summer Science, we featured original podcasts produced by University of Otago students as part of their master's degrees in science communication. First up in our new series from the class of 2017 is Tegan Good with her podcast, What's Happening with Our Fresh Water. I recently drove down from Auckland to Dunedin. I admired the beautiful landscapes, the mountains, lakes, fields, beaches. There's no denying how extremely lucky we are to live in such a beautiful country. On my travels, I saw sheep and cow prancing in their lush fields. Sure, I saw a few rivers looking a bit off colour, but that didn't seem abnormal. Have I normalised river pollution? When it comes to the state of New Zealand's environment, it won't come as a surprise to Kiwis that a lot of our freshwater, our rivers and our lakes are being polluted. It's been a bit of a hot topic recently. We've got our extremist left-wing groups pushing the blame and using shock value to slander the dairy industry. And we've got the dairy industry pushing back and saying that they're being wildly misrepresented. On one hand, 60% of monitored rivers are polluted to unswimmable levels. And yet we have our environmental minister saying that with his plan released in early 2017, that in 20 years we will have the best water quality in the developed world. Is this possible? It doesn't matter what side of this argument you're on. We can all agree that our fresh water is being polluted and we do need to do something about it. On the water you can see excessive algae growing on top and that indicates pollution in the river. On the fields you could see the urine patches from the animals and these are where there are peaks of grass because it grows really big with all the excess nutrients. So how does excrement from the animals cause this to happen? Probably the greatest concerns of the effects of agriculture on the environment relates to the impact on water. This is Keith Cameron, a soil scientist from Lincoln University. And there are two key nutrients that are of concern. One is nitrogen and one is phosphorus. Nitrogen is a chemical element found in living cells that affects plant growth. When a plant is eaten by a cow, 30% of the nitrogen is converted into meat and milk. Some is released into the atmosphere, but a majority is excreted and returned to the soil. Nitrogen is water-soluble, so it is easily leached away from the place of origin and washed into our rivers and lakes. Phosphorus is also needed for plant growth. But when it is returned to the soil, it stays there, but it can be released with soil erosion. It is well known that cattle need to be kept out of and away from rivers, streams and lakes. This is so that at least some of the phosphate and nitrates can be soaked into the soil and used for the plants without getting to our waterways. And if nitrogen and phosphorus levels get too high in rivers or lakes, it can cause eutrophication, which produces weed growth and reduces the recreational value of those water bodies. Basically, eutrophication is when nutrients cause plant life to go really big. 
This is the excessive algae bloom that you can see on top of the water. Eventually, this plant life uses up all of the oxygen and it disrupts the ecosystem, resulting in the death of fish and all other organisms that live in the water. Now, this doesn't sound ideal, and some of the algae is even poisonous, with many cases of dogs dying because of eating it. So what is being done? Research programmes funded by government and funded by the dairy industry, Beef and Lamb Museum, Fonterra, Dairy NZ, Partial 21 Consortium. Uh, these are national programmes of work. All of the scientific teams are really putting together a powerhouse of um, scientific capability to find ways that will help the farmers reduce this pollution. The research that Keith is talking about is really important. It does need to be done, but it mainly focuses on the farms themselves. They're about limiting nutrients, measuring water going through the soil, the use of catch crops and different types of food. What we in New Zealand need to do is look at where we are farming and especially where we are intensifying that farming. I don't think there should be any forms of intensive agriculture in the headwater parts of the catchments. Exactly where you define headwater to be is sometimes a bit difficult, but really there, should, there shouldn't be intensive farming upstream of any of the major lakes or impoundments. This is Jerry Kloss, a professor of freshwater ecology at Otago University. You know, the tourism industry in Queenstown is totally dependent on uh, the pristine, scenic beauty of that area. It's totally dependent on the quality of the water of that area. When I see uh, intensification of the farms in the headwaters of Lake Wanaka and Wakatipu occurring, um, I know that that puts the economies of those towns under threat. So why does farming occur in these places? Do I blame the individual farmers? No, I don't. I think those farmers have got no choice under the current economic systems we're working under. Do I want to see those farmers be pushed off the land to maintain Queenstown and Wanaka? No, I don't. Currently, it is left to regional councils to deal with pollution in the area. We need something at a national level. Do I think we could come up with economic systems which would allow some form of farming to continue but not put the environment downstream at risk? Yes, I do. Um, but it would require some level of cross-subsidy from the downstream communities to the upstream communities to maintain those upstream communities. And it would require giving recognition for what is the most important products that come off those high country farms, which I would always maintain as water and landscape. It's not wool, it's not meat. They're trivial in comparison to the value of the water and the value of the landscape that we get from those areas. And we need to protect those too. And any full economic analysis would recognise they're the most important products that come off those regions. And, and damaging those products will be to the detriment of all of us. The problem is, it is easy to see the value of water when it's being used for agriculture. On a dairy farm, we can measure how much water goes into the farm and compare that to how much we get back. Selling that milk puts a price directly on that water. It's not that straightforward to calculate the value of water when it's used for recreation, biodiversity, tourism and the quality of the country. But once we get to the point where we have to start to pay for expensive treatment of water, we start to pay the cost of loss of recreation opportunities, we start to factor in the cost of loss of tourism opportunities, then all of a sudden that water starts to look very valuable and the loss of value in that water starts to look very expensive. And if you start to do your, your full costing based on the environmental losses and the environmental 
costs associated with treating that water, all of a sudden it starts to look very expensive. And the value of a little bit of wool or a little bit of meat coming from a couple of high country intensified farms starts to look rather trivial compared to what you've actually started to lose. In New Zealand, we need to seriously look into an economic valuation of our waters, which if that had been done, we would certainly be in a better position. And it is not a good marketing slogan to say we're 67% pure. This is David Simmons, also of Lincoln University. One of the things that we have done uh, is run the environment too fast, and we have migrated uh, certain types of farming practices onto areas that weren't designed for them. This is where the government needs to step up. Many years ago, I think in the 1970s, um, Queenstown didn't put in a proper sewage reticulation system until a whole lot of tourists simultaneously got crooked because they were drawing water from the lake. So we don't, we're not, we don't have an exemplary record in, in this space. And if you look at the Resource Management Act as, as it was originally drafted, or at least as originally passed in Parliament, it didn't mention diffuse pollution in any significant way. So it was, a, it was based on resource consenting farm by farm by farm. That's fine, you know, if you've just got the odd farm, the occasional farm, which has got a high intensity and most of the landscape is at lower intensity. But from around about the late 1980s and into the 1990s, there became increasing pressure to intensify um, the agriculture. And that caught New Zealand on the hop. Agriculture is a huge part of New Zealand's history, economy and culture. Farming represents um, 70% of our export earnings. And that's not going to stop overnight. But we need to make sure it's not to the detriment of our environment. The environment cannot be put in second place. The loss of our fresh water would be catastrophic, not only to the natural environment, but to the detriment of other major economic sectors like tourism. But what could our government be doing? It may mean that some of those farms may be paid to produce water and landscape. The government doesn't currently give out subsidies to farmers. That's what's happened in parts of Europe. Large parts of the European Union budget are basically paying, paying farmers to maintain a landscape and to maintain low-intensity farming for the benefits that produces. Um, at present, we haven't got a culture or a, any systems in New Zealand which would allow that to happen. Every farm has to run on its own and it either makes a profit or a loss. And if it makes a loss, it goes out of business. And it may be that protecting our fresh waters under the current management economic systems would drive a lot of these farms, un, make these farms unviable. We have to have a debate about how we keep those farms viable um, but still maintain the environment. And it's not just pollution from agriculture that we should be worrying about. Management of stormwater and runoff from our cities is also becoming a huge problem. It strikes me that we've ended up in a, an uncomfortable place where we've got um, townies sort of pointing to the countryside, farmers are saying dirty dairying in particular, but as my Irish grandmother said, when you point your finger at someone, turn your hand over and you've got at least three pointing back at you. Everybody needs to be aware that water continuously moves through the environment. It moves, it comes in in the headwaters and it continuously works its way downstream and eventually goes out to the sea. And almost everything we do in a catchment will 
find its way into a river or stream somewhere and work its way out into the coastal environments. So anything we do, be it from washing cars on the street to digging a ditch without preventing sediment washing its way downstream will have an impact. So all the time, from every little trivial thing we do, we can individually have an impact. We can't forget that we are the ones consuming these products at such high quantities. This is not to say that you have to cut out meat and dairy completely, but if we all cut down a bit, it would make a huge impact. It can take up to 40 years for nitrates to make their way through the groundwater system and into our fresh water. It can take us at least 50 years to stop the ship and turn it around. Do you think at the moment we are stopping the ship or are we still powering on through? I think a lot of people are asking just how much fuel we're firing into the engines. I would much rather us move to a, a platform where we recognise that, that water is one of our treasures and that we all learn to, whenever it passes across our property or in our hands, we treasure it and use it lightly. Thanks, Tegan. That podcast was produced by Tegan Good, a student in the Centre for Science Communication at the University of Otago. And she was talking with Keith Cameron, Professor of Soil Science at Lincoln University. David Simmons, Professor of Tourism and Director of Research Strategy, also from Lincoln University. And Jerry Kloss, Professor of Freshwater Ecology at the University of Otago. That's all for now, but you can stay in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're RNZ Science. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.